I'm a really big believer that your body talks to you and that you have to listen to it because even though ovarian cancer is known as the disease that whispers, I actually don't believe that. Hi again, this is Exceptional, the podcast brought to you by the Santa Sabina College ex-students. I'm so pleased to interview Anne-Marie Moulders from the class of 1991. She's an ambassador for Ovarian Cancer Australia and we're going to deep dive into her journey from diagnosis to recovery. We'll talk about her signs and symptoms and how to better advocate for yourself and your health. We know this topic can be tough and our Dominican community has lost many brave women to cancer. We'll put some links to some resources in our show notes. Good afternoon, Anne-Marie. Welcome to Exceptional. How are you going today? Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat to you. For our listeners out there, what are we going to talk about today? Um, I'm going to share a little bit about my journey with ovarian cancer um, and talk a little bit about the signs and symptoms for women to look after or to rather to look out for um, so that they can be prepared and really, um, you know, protect themselves, I guess. Take us through your journey with ovarian cancer. I'll start at the beginning. Um, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer over eight years ago now. Um, At the time, I had two little boys who were just seven and five, and my husband and Christian and I were just absolutely shell-shocked. I'd actually been to the GP about four or five times with symptoms like feeling sick in the gut. I had stinging wee. I felt really bloated. And, you know, I even started saying to Christian, I think I'm allergic to nuts. I was trying to find a reason why I felt sick all the time. And finally, um, I insisted on an ultrasound and I had an 11 centimetre rock hard tumour. So that was sort of the beginning of what was a complete life change for me and for my family. Do you know, at a practical level, I went into surgery and I was cut from my breastbone to my pubic bone. So um, it was really significant surgery where I had my uterus, ovaries, various lymph nodes and my gallbladder removed. And from there, I went into chemotherapy treatment, um, which was its own unique journey. Um, It was absolutely terrifying. You know, if I think back to that time and how I felt and you know, what it did to my family. I was just so worried, you know, with two tiny boys that they'd forget me and also not have a mum to help them grow up. So, yeah, to this day I very much count my lucky stars that I'm the lucky one who survived. Are you happy to share how old you were when you were diagnosed with ovarian cancer? Yeah, um, you know, often ovarian cancer is considered a disease that only affects older women, but actually I was only just 40. So I consider that a very young woman. And, um, you know, I have a number of um, people that I've met through this journey, as well as one of my dear friends from Santa Sabina, Bridget Whelan, who was also diagnosed really young. Um, and, you know, tragically, Bridget actually um, died from ovarian cancer. So, it's very much something that needs to be on the radar of every woman. You talked a little bit about the signs and symptoms that you had. Was there anything else that told you something was wrong? I'm a really big believer that your body talks to you and that you have to listen to it because even though ovarian cancer is known as the disease that whispers, 
I actually don't believe that. I believe I did have symptoms. I did feel really unwell and that it's just a fact, it's just a matter of separating those symptoms from the normal monthly symptoms every woman has. So the big call out there is cancer symptoms don't go away. So if you have symptoms that come for a couple of days, like you're bloated for a couple of days, or you have, you know, a urinary tract infection, those things go away. When you have symptoms for more than a month, you need to go and get checked. And you need to be really forthright and say, I want to be tested for this. Because one of the things about these symptoms is they can mean a number of things, but you have to be pushy. I was, as I mentioned, I was back at the GP for the fifth time before I insisted on an ultrasound. So it's really important to be quite pushy about that because ovarian cancer isn't highly diagnosed, but it's highly lethal. So about 1,700 women are diagnosed every year, and of those, about 48% survive after five years. It's the most lethal disease of any women's cancer, and it's really important to listen to your body. In terms of the signs and symptoms, to go back to your questions to look out for, the most common symptoms of ovarian cancer are bloating, abdominal pain, urinary symptoms. For me, that means stinging wee, but for other women, it means having to go and do a wee all the time really urgently. So I had stinging wee, so I kept going back saying, oh, I've got a UTI, I've got a UTI. I didn't have a UTI, but that's how my cancer was talking to me. The other symptom that is less known is feeling really full after eating small amounts of food. So that's really important too, as well as changes to bowel habits. So um, they're the main ones to look out for. And again, just to emphasise, it's all about if those symptoms don't go away. So if you have those symptoms for more than a month, you really need to do something about it. How long did you have treatment for? Oh, treatment's a really interesting one for me. I actually had treatment. I was having, I had chemotherapy for four months. That's not very long. Typically, the treatment goes for much longer, but I have a very rare type of ovarian cancer that doesn't respond very well to treatment. So as I was going through my experience, a number of um, doctors said that I didn't, necessarily have to have chemo because it didn't work well enough on my cancer and then one doctor said to me if it was me I'd have chemo so I actually had to choose to have chemotherapy because of the rareness of my cancer it's very little known about it Um, but typically women with ovarian cancer have chemotherapy for six months and then of course they have chemotherapy again if the disease recurs so it's a it's an ordeal certainly the treatment is a real ordeal And frankly, there's been very little advance in treatment in 40 years. So I was treated with the same drugs my grandmother would have been treated with. So that is one of the challenges for ovarian cancer is that the drugs don't work as well as for other cancers. So with other cancers, you see survival rates really improving. But with ovarian cancer, it's a very slow road to improving because the drugs just don't work on these types of cancers. And throughout all of that, ordeal as you described it who was your best support oh look getting through that time is just such a blur on a practical level I had a huge amount of support from my husband Christian and family and friends my friend Bridget who 
is no longer with us was an amazing support because she'd been through so much of it and understood, you know, the treatment and understood a lot of the experience. I was very lucky that um, the St Columbus School Mums from Leichhardt where my boys went to school set up a dinner roster and so I had food arriving every day and, you know, honestly I think I just went into survival mode. You know, it was one foot in front of the other, but I was very lucky to be mm. surrounded in support. And when it comes to support, one of the other things I'll flag is within a big city, obviously, we're surrounded in networks of um, support if we're lucky. But one of the services Ovarian Cancer Australia offers now is um, phone support for women living in remote areas. So that's a really wonderful thing that there is support available with nurses and counsellors to help women through this, through Ovarian Cancer Australia. They do an incredible job waving the flag, um, the teal flag, I call it, for ovarian cancer. They do a lot of work with the government and a lot of work um, to try and secure funding, but they also offer real support to women. Was Bridget a Santa girl? Bridget Shaw was a Santa girl, Yeah. Did you know did you know her throughout school? Oh absolutely. We were close friends throughout school. I've got photographs of us on Camp Knox, among other things. Um, one of my favorite photos of us is a Bridget and I on the canoes at Camp Knox. And so we were lifelong friends. And um, yeah, unfortunately, she was a great battler. And you know, one of the things I always think of with regard to Bridge, other than that it's just tragic and so sad that she lost her life way too early was that she carried the BRCA gene um, and she inherited that gene from her father. So it's incredibly important for women to know their family history because understanding that genetic predisposition can enable you to prepare. And unfortunately, Bridget didn't know she had the gene until it was too late. So understanding one's family history, if you do have women in your family that have had either breast or ovarian cancer, it's incredibly important to be aware of that and to be proactive with that because it can actually save your life. Did you know your own family history in the lead up to your cancer diagnosis? I didn't I didn't proactively look at it, but I did know that there wasn't a lot of cancer in my family. I don't have a lot of cancer in my family. I don't carry the gene. Mm. So um, I... Yeah, I don't know if I did know my family history, to be honest with you. It's certainly something I can say I would like to know now in retrospect. Yeah, everyone's an expert in retrospect, but I should have known it and so should every woman. If people want to know more about ovarian cancer, where can they look? Um, The Ovarian Cancer Australia website is definitely um, the first place to look. Um, I'm very also very happy for people to reach out to me. Um, I'm an ambassador for Ovarian Cancer Australia, so I keep across all of the latest developments and make sure that I know what's happening. I believe that understanding your family history, pushing for your own body, listening to your body and making sure you explore anything you're concerned about is the start to making sure you have long-term health. So I definitely think um, Ovarian Cancer Australia is the first stop, but there's other support services as well. Definitely don't go to Dr Google. Um, Go to one of the peak bodies where you can get the right information. What's year 13? Oh, 
U13 is an incredible business that I work for now that connects young people um, with opportunity and inspiration in the school-to-work transition. So we produce content um, as well as provide an in-school service for careers advisors and students to support young people to find careers that are ultimately going to make them happy. So we really believe every young person deserves a healthy, happy life and that that is very influenced by finding something as work in your life. You know, work has a big impact on happiness. And so Youth 13 is completely 100% committed to supporting young people lead happier, healthier lives through helping them on that journey into their future. I think we all remember what it's like to leave school and how confusing and confronting it can be. And, you know, knowing what you want to do is so hard because as a young student, you really only know about the things that your parents do or maybe a couple of aunts and uncles or family friends. You don't actually know all of the different incredible careers that are out there. And, you know, we really believe that your career should be passion-led and that you should be finding something that aligns with your intrinsic values and passions and preferences because ultimately that's when you're going to love it and if you love your job you end up a lot happier. Annie what's the take-home message here? From my perspective the big take-home message is listen to your body it talks to you sometimes it whispers but if you're listening hard enough it's definitely giving you messages you need to hear and on a personal level the take-home message is, you know, chase your dreams and do what you love. If you love what you do, you end up with a happier life. Um, I really believe that. I think following something you're passionate about can really result in improved happiness. And Annie, one last thing, any advice that you'd give your younger self? I'll be more confident and, um, you know, certainly I think in my younger years, professionally, I was less inclined to speak up as much as I am now. I think one of the things that I'd advise my younger self is just to be a bit more confident and to really chase after the things you love. Um, What else would I advise my younger self? Oh, probably so much. (laughs) As your 40-year-old self, looking back to your teenage self, if you knew you were going to have cancer, is there any advice you'd give your younger self? Uh, If I knew I was going to have ovarian cancer, the advice I would give my younger self is be really health aware, make sure you prioritise your health, travel a stack, love life, walk away from anything you don't like and, yeah, be proactive in achieving every goal. It's never too late to set a goal or to chase a goal. You can find more information on ovarian cancer in the links provided in our show notes. We're about halfway through Series 1 and want to say thanks to all our supporters, in particular the Santa Sabina Ex-Students Association, our listeners and Dominicans worldwide. Please give us a like, a review or a share and if you want to get in touch, drop us a line on our email. Until next time.